What's up, everybody? Of course, again, another awesome week, college football. We're going to get into a, a little bit of review of what happened, but mostly on this week, we're going to talk about consistency or lack thereof consistency when it comes to judging teams in terms of rankings, perception, eye test, all that stuff. So let's get into it. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Let's talk college football. Michael Kirkring here, as always, because again, it is just me. Well, pretty interesting weekend. You know, do a little bit of recap. We had probably, I don't want to say the biggest surprise because it's not super, super surprising, but one of the biggest factors was Michigan State going down, right? The number three team in the country falls to Purdue, and Purdue, wow gets their second win of the season against a top three opponent. Remember, they beat number two, Iowa, about two or three weeks ago. They lose to Wisconsin after that, but then they beat Michigan State, and they looked pretty good. I mean, you'd be hard not to make the argument that in that game, they were just the better team. There were some trick plays and some fluky moments, but after rewatching last night, Again, I had to rewatch like a bunch of games last night because I actually went to a game this weekend and went up to Tallahassee to see my Knowles in another disappointing loss. They lost to NC State, who's a good team. And honestly, I thought NC State probably could have and should have won by more. But anyway, that's a whole another story and debate. So on Sunday, I had to rewatch a lot of the games I missed. I didn't get to see anything really in that 3.30 slot. When I was tailgating, I got to see Wake Forest, North Carolina. We'll talk about that, obviously implications there so I got to see that and then I you know went to the game didn't really get to see anything in the 330 so that means I missed Texas A&M Auburn I missed Michigan State Purdue a few others after the game you know I had a long drive home about five hours to get back to Sarasota Florida from Tallahassee and I was able to stream most of the time so I was able to see most of the LSU Alabama game um, and, and stuff like that but now I'm all caught up caught up I've seen everything important that I've needed to see. And we'll talk about some of the stuff that happens, but only in relation to get into what I want to discuss, right? Because I'm sitting here, and my main goal is to always provide something a little different, right? I don't need to be... If you're listening to this podcast, that means you're a pretty big college football nerd. Or you're some weird stalker fan of mine. I'll take either at this point. But I'm sitting here trying to provide something a little different, right? If you go and listen to any of the other podcasts, right, if you're getting to mine, you probably listen to at least three or four other ones, as do I. And everybody talks about the same thing, right? So what I try to do is gauge kind of what everyone's talking about during the week and then provide some sort of interesting context along those lines. So today what I want to do is talk about the consistency or lack there of consistency 
when it comes to ranking these teams and I'm going to, in a way, kind of defend the big boys in this podcast a little bit. And we'll talk about the whole group of five versus power five scenarios and and how the whole answer to this thing is not necessarily a 12-team playoff because you guys know I'm not the biggest fan of that, but structure, some sort of league structure is needed to fix all these problems if we want them fixed. I think a lot of people really thrive on the 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 chaos and not having these problems fixed so i guess it depends on where you fall on that but look what happened this week everybody's going who is number two right georgia's still clear number one and they obviously deserve to be number one undefeated power five team sec team dominating all of their competition right it's weird looking back at georgia now one of the least impressive wins might be Clemson, right? Week one, this is a huge resume-boosting thing, two top five teams. But after seeing what Clemson is, and Clemson is not a dumpster fire like some people claim they are, okay? They've lost three games so far. They're playing a little better. They beat a, Louisville was a test for me this week with Clemson. They beat Louisville. They score 30 points. Louisville is a decent Division One ACC team right? And obviously Clemson is nowhere near that playoff level team, but they've had a ton of injuries this year. They're very young in an era where most teams are very old, right? That's, I've talked about this before. The the elite teams, the Clemsons, the Bamas, one thing they're struggling with this year is they, they are young in a day and age where a lot of the other programs are very old because of the COVID year, because of being three years into the new redshirt rule, and super seniors, right? There's a lot of teams, your Wake Forest of the world, your Iowa's of the world, a lot of these programs that don't get three-year and out, five-star, four-star caliber players. Those programs redshirt a lot of guys, so they're very, very young, right? There's teams loaded with fifth-year seniors and four-year seniors, a lot of that stuff, and it's making a difference this year. And anyway, Clemson's a good place to start because, for example... If another team that wasn't Clemson was doing what Clemson's done this year, you could make a huge argument that that team would be ranked, right? They're five and three at this point. Five and three in November means you're a pretty solid football team. You don't have playoff hopes. In a lot of cases, you're not going to have conference championship hopes, although Clemson kind of does, given the fact that they've only lost two games in the conference. They're still way behind in the Atlantic because of the season Wake's having. And even though Wake lost this week, that wasn't actually a conference game. They scheduled North Carolina as a non-conference game. Very weird and interesting to see two conference teams play and it not be a conference game. But that's the scenario. So Clemson, in this case, is probably out of the race. You know, they would need Wake Forest to lose again. And they would have to beat Wake Forest which could happen because Wake still has NC State and Clemson, right? But forget the fact about that. The reality is, is Clemson's playing okay, right? There's a lot of good players on that team, and they're 5-3 and three right now. Not that bad. Only when you judge them in the Clemson world are you throwing some shade on them. And it's okay to do that. It, when you're talking big picture, Clemson, hey, is Clemson on a downfall right now? We don't know. But in terms of this season, we're judging Clemson more strict than we judge another team, and that's not fair because we don't do that with the other teams, right? I was listening to the Andy Staples show the other day, 
And they were having a conversation about this and it really sparked my interest, right? Where we're sitting here really judging Ohio State. Oh, they didn't blow out Nebraska. Why did Alabama struggle with LSU? LSU's a four and four team. And those are fair criticisms, but people come in with these arguments like, oh, that's why Bama shouldn't be two. That's why Ohio State shouldn't be in the top four. Well, the problem you run into with that is, again, I'm all about consistency. So if you're going to judge these teams and be that critical of them, you'd have to then do the same. Because, for example, everybody's pissed that Cincinnati isn't up there. Well, Cincinnati is struggling with teams a lot worse than LSU, right? The talent level for the teams Cincinnati is struggling with are on level probably worse if you break down the rosters than Nebraska. So if Ohio State and Bama can't be up there for struggling with these teams that they're supposed to be better than in, well, then Cincinnati has to be judged for struggling with Tulsa, struggling with Navy, right? That that has to be a thing, struggling with Tulane. Those teams are way worse than LSU and Nebraska and some of the teams that we're judging these powerhouses for struggling with. Now, I know everyone's like, but, but Michael, but Michael, Cincinnati's undefeated. And that's where I disagree with you because, and maybe I'm being a little inconsistent here. I don't think so though, because you do have to separate the power five and the group of five. Being undefeated in the group of five is nothing like being undefeated in the power five. It's just not, okay? It, it is not. And kudos to Cincinnati for having that one game in the non-conference, a very good Notre Dame team, a very good Notre Dame game, and it's a very impressive win. I think it's one of the top five best wins anybody has this season. Unfortunately, Notre Dame, once they lose a game, nobody talks about them. And that's another thing that sucks. Like, did Notre Dame just disappear this year? You never hear anyone talk about them. And I would argue that in a scenario where a lot of chaos ensues, Notre Dame could get right back in this thing. We've seen non-conference champions, 11-1 teams, Ohio State in 2016, Bama in 2017, make the college football playoff. If a lot of these conferences start throwing out two lost teams, it could happen in the Pac-12. You never know what's going to happen in the Big 12. Big 10, right? Michigan State's still in this thing, but they already have a lot. Like, who knows what's going to happen in these leagues? If an 11-1 non-conference champion has to get picked, I think Notre Dame is right there in that conversation, especially if since he stays undefeated and plays themselves in. But it is absolutely fair, absolutely fair to judge the group of five and the power five differently. Like, go listen to my reaction to the playoff pod back on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. There's nothing surprising to me about where Cincinnati came out ranked. I'm not caught up in this whole, the group of five is being disrespected. Look, the group of five never has a chance to play themselves into the top four completely on their own merits. It's just not possible. They always need help. There's no year where an undefeated group of five school controls their own destiny. Because remember, for a group of five school to get in the playoff, they one, have to go undefeated. So far since he's checking that, they have to go schedule some sort of decent power five team in the non-conference. Cincinnati's done that. Check. And in Cincinnati's case, it was a really good power five team on the road. Check. But after those two checks, they still need help. They never would get in, obviously, over an undefeated power five team. Obviously, that would never happen. And I don't even think 
they could ever get in over any one loss Power 5 champion. This year, the only team I think Cincinnati could have jumped would be like, let's say Wake Forest wins out from here on and they're a 12-1 conference champion. I think maybe, and it's still a maybe, maybe Cincinnati would have a chance to jump them if it came down to them, but I still don't know about that because an undefeated Wake Forest was a 1,000% going to get in over Cincinnati. One, their strength of schedule was actually a couple points higher. I've talked about this and there's, and it should be because I don't care that Wake Forest might not have a signature win like Notre Dame. I've talked about this over the years. I respect a schedule way more that just has consistently decent to good teams than a schedule that has a couple one-off top 10 opponents and then a bunch of cupcakes. It's very easy to pick, if you're a better team than most everyone you play, it's very easy to say, well, this week's Notre Dame, this week's the big ranked top 10 opponent, let's get our spirits up for that, win that game, and then if your talent's significantly better than everyone else, you coast through. That's why I've always respected Notre Dame's schedule, even in a lot of years lately where they're not getting as many of those sexy top five matchups, right? Because Florida State might be down some of the years they play them, right? This year, like North Carolina is not going to be as good as we thought they were. USC's down. But Notre Dame plays 12 football games a year against top tier talent. What I mean by that is they don't schedule any FCS teams ever. The group of five schools they played this year, Cincinnati, which basically counts as, I mean, that was one of their toughest games, right? And I think they played, who was it? Toledo. So Toledo was their one bad team they scheduled. And Toledo's a decent team in their conference. It's a division one football team. They don't got any of those, you know, New Mexico State's Southern Methodist University School of the, whatever, you know, that a lot of these, for example, SEC schools will schedule. And when you play 12 games in a row against quality competition, most teams are over 500, 500 or better. That down the stretch is a much tougher schedule than, hey, we have a couple top 10 opponents, but if you have a bunch of mediocre teams sandwiched in between, that's an easy schedule to manage. So I've always given credit to Notre Dame. And my main point with this is there is just a huge difference between a power five schedule and a group of five schedule, period, point blank. Cincinnati is not being disrespected. They're right where they should be. They're undefeated number six, and they need some teams above them to lose. And if that happens, they could play themselves in. Okay? So the people that are sitting there going, Cincinnati should be in the top four. No, they shouldn't. They should not. They're a group of five school. It's not built for you. The system is not built for the group of five. Now, if you want to get upset because you were kind of lied to, you actually bought into the bullshit that, oh, because we expend the playoff to four, that means that the group of five was going to have more of a chance. Well, guess what? They do have more of a chance because in a two-team playoff, you would never get in. Obviously, we saw that with the BCS. We saw that back in the AP poll era even. The four-team playoffs means you have a chance if you can get help. You actually have a chance, but you still need the help, Right? You still need the help. And Cincinnati very well could get that help and we'll be fine. But Cincinnati is never getting into the playoff over any one-loss Power 5 champion, right? Undefeated Cincinnati at the end of the season is not getting in over 12-1 Oregon, 12-1 Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, whoever. They're not getting in over 
12-1 Georgia with a loss, not a champion. They're not getting in over a 12-1 Bama with a champion. However, I do think they would have an argument at undefeated to get in over any two-loss team, right? If the SEC kind of craps the bed and upset alert, by the way, let's say Georgia loses to Tennessee coming up, which wouldn't be impossible, okay? Georgia loses to Tennessee, so they enter Atlanta with one loss. And let's say Auburn beats Bama. I've talked about this scenario, right? A and Texas A&M gets into the SEC championship. They win. Now there's no team from the SEC that doesn't have two losses, right? Depending on what happens in the other conferences, the SEC could be out in that scenario because any one loss champion is going in over two loss A&M, right? Unless you go listen to my conspiracy theory from last week where I talk about I don't trust any of the normal structures because of some of the back-end political stuff going on with conference realignment and ESPN and some of that other stuff. So that's where all my theories and, you know, could go out the window. Not theories, but because, you know, my whole shtick is like, look, in a normal year, if there isn't politics involved, there is kind of a structure to this thing, right? Undefeated is everything. Winning is everything. If you are 12-0, and 13-0, you're in the playoff. The only thing that could ever knock you out in that scenario would be there's five of you. Obviously, one has to go home. And the same could be said for a one-loss Power 5 conference champions. There's a 90% chance you're in except for the fact that there's five of you. So if there ends up being five or more teams that are 12-1 and one or better, of course, somebody's going home. But 12-1 and one conference champion will always go in over 10-2 and two 11 and 2 conference champion and I think even over a 12 and 1 non-champion you would have to take 12 and 1 conference champion Oregon Michigan State whoever it is over 12 and 1 non-champion Georgia if it came down to it I I really believe that and I really want to kind of see that scenario play out because that has been the rule the playoff committee has had the opportunity to do something different in multiple years and they haven't done it so I don't think they could just change that this year and go, well, 12-1 Georgia goes in with Bama at the expense of other 12-1 conference champions. They've never, it would, it would be unprecedented. Now, I think because of my conspiracy theory stuff that that could happen. But that's what's kind of weird about this year is I don't trust this. It's kind of like politics this year, right? Uh, the last, you know, five, six years, right? Wherever you align politically, you know that crazy crap's been going on. So... In a normal world, you know what the law says, you know what governments are allowed to do or not allowed to do, who gets in trouble for what. But the last you know, five years, you're like, I don't know. I'm seeing certain crimes basically being legalized depending on where you align politically. I'm seeing other people get charged for things that aren't even actually crimes depending on where you are politically, right? Like we're kind of at that point with college football, I feel like too, where, hey, normally this wouldn't be good enough to get you in the playoff, but because of the politics this year, if you're the right conference at the right time, we're going to maybe squeeze you in because we need to put pressure on these other things. Like, go listen to my la- – if you haven't, go listen to my reaction pod to Tuesday night. I promise you it's not old news because even though I was reacting to those rankings, the whole podcast is basically about my conspiracy theory on what I'm afraid is going to happen this year. So I tr- trust me, if you haven't listened to it yet, it- it's worth it, but I don't want to rehash all that stuff. Again, getting back to the consistency arguments, I'll just move away from this whole group of five Cincinnati thing, but 
Trust me, they're not being shafted in any way. Cincinnati is getting more respect than any group of five ever has up to this point, yet the fans are super pissed acting like they're being disrespected. So you guys aren't being consistent. You can't see a ranking where you get respected more than any other group of five team ever and still be upset. Because if you're expecting undefeated Cincinnati to be a lock, you're delusional. You're just delusional. You've never watched college football. You've never paid attention. You're not paying attention to the natural hierarchies, the structures that I believe are fair. I don't want an undefeated Cincinnati to be a lock. A 12-1 Oregon would deserve it more. Absolutely. A 12-1 Baylor, Oklahoma, someone out of the Big 12, someone out of the Big 10 absolutely deserves it more. I think Cincinnati's done enough where I would take them over a two-loss team. Absolutely. Right? If we see 10-2, 11-2 Texas A&M make the playoff over Cincinnati, I'm going to be right there with you super pissed off. Because the playoff committee has basically made it clear that two lost teams don't get in. They've set that precedent when, in my opinion, Penn State was better than Ohio State in 2016 should have got in, right? And Ohio State probably deserved it more than Bama in 2017, at least leading up to that playoff moment. The playoff committee has set a precedent. It's ridiculous for them to change, which that's the problem we have with them. They're not always consistent. They'll say this about one team, who have you beat? when it comes to Cincinnati, but then you could honestly say the same thing about Bama. So let's get to some of the Power 5 inconsistency, right? Who has Bama beaten this year? Ole Miss. That's their best win. Well, Cincinnati has a better win than Alabama, I think. So if Alabama wasn't Alabama, they'd be judged a little harder because they do have a loss. Remember, they did lose. Now a and looking better. It's looking like a good loss, but they're essentially saying... Alabama, Power 5, SEC, Nick Saban, that's better than your one win against Notre Dame and your crappy group of five schedule. And the where, where I fall on that is I, I agree if they had it reversed, I wouldn't care that much. But that does make a lot of sense to me, right? Ohio State, who's their best win, right? Ohio State's best win is three loss Penn State, I guess, at, to this point. They're going to have a chance to get wins, but at this point, who is it? It's either Penn State or maybe, I guess, Minnesota now, right? Minnesota got back in the rankings. They're winning. And I, I do think those are semi-impressive wins. And Ohio State's very good. I don't have a problem, really, where they're ranked now relative to everyone else. Like, for me, again, I don't like when we judge teams unfairly, right? I don't like when... Let me reset this up. So... Teams like Ohio State, like Bama, like Oklahoma, Clemson, except for this year, right? We know based on recruiting rankings and metrics and sometimes who their coaches are, they're ready to go. They have the horses to win the most of these games, right? I don't someone asked me the other day, like, hey, if Michigan State and Ohio State played today, who would you bet on? I was like, oh, Ohio State, duh. They're like, well, but you said Michigan State should be ranked ahead of them. Well, yeah, of course they should. They're undefeated. Have a good win. And that's how sports work. And some people are like, well, but if this team's better, like, that, like I don't have a problem with Alabama too. Ohio State should be even ahead of Oregon because they look better than them, right? If Ohio State and Oregon played again, who would you bet on? Honestly, probably Ohio State. I trust them with a second chance in that game. But Oregon should be ranked ahead of them. Duh. That's how sports work. Hello, right? In every other sport, we don't have a problem with it. 
I understand there's less parity in college football than some of those professional sports, but that's, that's why you play the games. Now, that being said, I don't like when we do the reverse of that. So because we're kind of sick and tired of the Bamas, the Ohio States, the Oklahomas, and the Clemson, sometimes we judge them more harshly, right? Like I said, Clemson's five and three, and we're ridiculing them like they're having the worst season ever. However, Purdue is like five and three, and oh, wow, Purdue's doing great. No, they're both doing about the same. But because Purdue's not expected to be up there, they don't have top five players. They're having a great season while Clemson's having a bad season. No, they're both having a five and three season. Clemson's not living up to Clemson expectations. And like I said, big picture, but when it comes to the season, Clemson probably should be ranked around where Purdue, Minnesota, Wisconsin is or, or higher. But Clemson's not even ranked because they're supposed to be way better. So they look like this god-awful disappointing team, right? Okay, let me. that's one example. Let me go into another example of teams that are doing really well, right? So Michigan, Michigan State both have one loss. And everybody's still like, well, they should be above Ohio State, right? You saw what Ohio State did, struggled. Well, now that they both have one loss, right? Because again, undefeated. I did think it was disrespectful to have Wake Forest, Oklahoma State when they were undefeated, right? To have those teams like below one loss teams. When Michigan was undefeated, I believe that. And I believe Michigan State should have been where they were. Well, I think Michigan State should have been too above Bama last week because they were undefeated and they had a good win a better win than Alabama had at that point, okay? Now, I would have them right under Alabama because they're basically tied, in my opinion, when I look at the ranking. Again, not about betting who I think's better, right? I'm probably betting on Saban to beat Michigan State if they played. But just based on resume, record, accomplishment, they're both like, what, seven, eight, and one? I forget who has the bye or not, but they're, they're the same record. They're both one-loss teams, with pretty good wins, Alabama's best win being Ole Miss, Michigan State's best win being Michigan, which is better than Ole Miss, but Alabama has a better loss, sort of, than uh, Michigan State does, although Purdue, because that was their, I mean, that's not a terrible loss either. Let's give the nod to Bama and the, like, who has the better loss, and then Michigan State takes the cake for slightly better win. So if you have Alabama above Michigan State right now, that's fine with me, Okay. Alabama, Michigan State can fall into that mix of where the one-loss teams go. And maybe because of recency bias, which I don't have a huge problem with, you go um, Georgia 1, Bama 2, Oregon 3, Ohio State 4, right? Oregon has to be ahead of Ohio State because of head-to-head. And then Michigan State maybe right there above Michigan because of head-to-head. Cincinnati somewhere in that, in that mix. Even though personally, I'd have Cincinnati under all the one-loss Power five teams at this point, maybe ahead of Wake, maybe ahead of Oklahoma State. I don't know, but that, that's personally where I'd have them. And I think that's absolutely fair. Forget the group of five for now. But a lot of people are really hard on Alabama this week and really hard on Ohio State. And it's okay to be skeptical of those teams because Alabama should have creamed LSU and Ohio State should have creamed Nebraska. What's going on there? But at the same time, Michigan, Michigan State, Oklahoma State, everybody wants to prop those teams up when they've had similar seasons, but because they're not juggernauts, because they're not loaded with five-star players, it's like we don't judge them for not blowing teams out. Well, sorry, if you're trying to be a 12-1 team or a you know, you're trying to make the playoff, you're in that one-loss category and we're comparing you to the other one-loss teams, now it does come down to like, well, who's better? 
I think if you have a head-to-head -head situation like we do with Ohio State-Oregon, then that's obvious. Oregon has to be above Ohio State because the head-to-head -head has to matter. That's where it doesn't matter that Ohio State might have quote-unquote better players, a better roster, the betting odds are in their favor. You played the game, and until one of them loses again, that ranking is decided for me. However, like I just like I just did with Alabama and Michigan State, okay, I don't really think it matters, right? But a lot of people are like, no, Alabama can't be two. And last week, I think you had an argument for that with undefeated Michigan State, undefeated Wake, right? But now that we're starting to see a lot more teams in the one-loss category, let's, let's have them evenly, right? A lot of people, oh, Michigan should be way up there. Well, Michigan doesn't really have any good wins. They just have a good loss. But that loss just got a little bit worse given what Michigan State just did, losing to Purdue. So... Again, consistency, consistency. I know it's like, usually I'm not defending the juggernauts. I'm the one usually saying, hey, you saw what Alabama did. This isn't fair. But in this scenario, I'm in a way defending them because we can't reverse judge teams, right? We get mad when people prop up Alabama and prop up Ohio State simply because of their coaches or their rosters or the recency bias and how good they are and how much we think we trust them when it comes to Vegas odds and all that stuff. I get just as annoyed as all of you do when that happens. However, you can't do it the other way where Michigan and Michigan State are having great seasons and should be ranked up there. But, oh, because Alabama struggled with, you know, LSU, like they don't deserve to be too. Because, again, and let's bring those group of five people back in. And forget the undefeated thing because I've already told you. Being undefeated in the group of five does not count as being undefeated in the power five i think it's more of a one loss two loss scenario so you have to be one to two games difference but all those people are so mad oh cincinnati like why are they telling us we can't play it close well they're judging you that way and now people are saying the same about bama so cincinnati there is consistency there yeah people are judging you hard given the fact that you're a group of five team and they're saying you need style points you need to blow people out but guess what a lot of the critics are ripping ohio state and bama this week for not blowing out inferior opponents either so that right there is consistent cincinnati can't act like oh we should be ahead of these teams well you don't play in as tough of a schedule which is why being undefeated you're below them and you're not blowing teams. You're not making a good case for yourself. You're not blowing teams out like you should be if you want to jump one loss power five schools like Ohio State, Bama, Michigan State, like these programs. It's just not happening. And we'll see what the playoff committee does this week now that Michigan State lost. You know, like it's not as exciting as last week because you feel like it's just kind of a move up. But one thing I'll get into real quick here is like the whole thing is still exciting, just like last week. Now, some teams did eliminate themselves, right? How Baylor losing a second game, you feel like they definitely don't control any part of their destiny in the Big 12. They could still mess things up in the Big 12 for their playoff hopes, but right now the Big 12 is coming down to Bedlam. And the crappy thing about that is Oklahoma State already has a loss. And it would be so hard for them to win the game against Oklahoma twice, right? So it's one of those things where maybe they win the regular season game, and then literally a week later, they're going to rematch, and we'll see what happens, but who knows? So it's really looking good for Oklahoma right now. They basically know they have that mulligan game, 
And as long as they win the conference at 12-1, and they've got a really good shot at getting in. Now, what Oklahoma wants to do is go undefeated, so they're a lock, right? Because if, you're go- if you go undefeated in the Power 5, you're absolutely a lock. Wake Forest, they lost, so most of their playoff hopes are completely gone. I still think there are scenarios where a 12-1 and Wake Forest team makes it. Because again, I think a 12-1 and Power 5 champion should make the playoff over any two-loss champion. The playoff committee is the one that made that rule up, by the way. So if a couple years ago they had gone the other way with that rule, then I would be okay with them continuing. But the fact that they've had good chances to do that and said, look, we're just not going to allow two losses in, that's fine, but they, they have to be consistent now or they will be frauds. And that's where I'm saying where, let's say this year, two-loss SEC champion gets in over Wake, even though I think a lot of you would probably be like, well, a two-loss A&M is a lot better than Wake, which is debatable, but it doesn't matter. The committee has said it doesn't matter if you're an obviously better two-loss team. Like Penn State was better than two one-loss teams that made the playoff in 2016. Penn State had better wins and was clearly better than Washington, and they had beaten Ohio State head-to-head, yet both of those teams made the playoff over them. Right Then two loss, Ohio State, who had all the momentum and won the Big Ten Championship, they said, sorry, you had some bad losses, you're not getting in. So they've set that precedent, and they cannot just flip that to favor the SEC of all conferences, right? That's how you're going to have an uproar in your hands. People already don't trust the this system and this playoff committee, and that would probably make it even worse. Again, though, if you go listen to my conspiracy, you'll see why I think that could happen, because I think they want to piss everyone off to force everybody to agree to an expanded playoff, right? Because everybody wants an expanded playoff, but the SEC wants 12 teams. Most of the other conferences want an eight-team playoff, which is obviously better, but SEC is saying we're not going to budge. So it's one of those things where if the SEC gets two teams in the playoff this year, or even just one team, but one, like if the Big 12, the Big 10, the ACC or the Pac-12, if they have a one-loss champion get left out, all of a sudden they might be scratching their heads and go, yeah, I know our alliance and screw the SEC, but I know eight's better than 12, but at this point we just need to have a guarantee that we get in. So let's, let's go to 12. Now, if some crazy scenario happens, like I said, where the SEC ends up with a two-loss champion and everybody has two losses and the SEC gets left out, which you can't even imagine, but let's just play this game, then maybe they're like, oh crap, we actually kind of need expansion too. Like we're going to start beating up on each other, especially when Texas and Oklahoma come in. And then can we really trust the committee to put our two lost champion? No, it doesn't look like it. So maybe, okay, yeah, we want eight too. Let's, let's just go with the guarantees. Eight's good. Group of five's happy. All the conferences are happy. Yeah, SEC, we'd like more at-larges because we think we can take those spots, but whatever. So it's a really interesting dynamic there. And that's why I said with the conspiracy part, like what side is the committee on and ESPN on? Because that's just a whole nother can of worms that I won't get into again. But again, when you're looking at teams, when you're judging teams, when you're on Twitter, when you're commenting, oh, Alabama doesn't deserve to be number two, that's a fine argument. But then you have to combat that with who does deserve to be number two. And then you have to say why that team has a better resume and everything than Alabama. And I don't think there's any other one-loss team that you can just make a clear case they should be ahead of Bama, right? You can make arguments, but you can make arguments the other way too, which is why 
after number one, number two is hard, right? There's like five, six teams you could put there. The Honestly, the only team I'd have a serious problem being number two is Cincinnati. I don't care that they're undefeated. I don't think they deserve to be top four at this point. But they might move from six to five, right? If everybody kind of moves up, who knows what's going to happen? But honestly, I don't even think Cincinnati should be above Michigan State at this point. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It's really, really interesting. But the fun part is, is we're at a point where we're not debating four and five for that last spot, which a lot of times at this point in the season, we already know who's one, who's obvious two, who's obvious three. Right now, we have an obvious one. And Georgia looks kind of unbeatable, but it also wouldn't be surprised if they won, right? We haven't seen what their offense really can do under pressure. So my whole point is it's really exciting. It's good that we're not sure who two through six are right now. That's really exciting. There could be a lot of chaos going into the end of this season. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what college football is all about. We love this end of the year chaos and never rely on the eye test. And obviously, the solution to this problem is structure. A scheduling structure that requires all Power 5 teams at least to play a 12-game schedule against at least 11 Power 5 opponents. Maybe you give them that one group of five team, but no FCS games. I think at that point, you still want to get to a point where all schedules are even. But if everybody had that Notre Dame-style schedule where you're going to play 12 football games that all matter. Not only is that way better for fans, right? If I'm a season ticket holder, I'd much rather see, for example, Florida State play instead of UMass and Jacksonville State, let's play Indiana and I don't know, Kentucky, right? Like they don't have to be world beaters, but let's do power five opponents. That's more fun. If you're a fan of LSU, don't you want to see like a team like Cal or Utah come into Death Valley sometimes like that would be better and I think when the schedules are that much closer to even it would fix a lot of these these issues with the scheduling stuff and I think an expanded playoff again I'm a fan of eight where it says hey when your conference get in you have the at-larges all that's going to fix this debate but the debate's really fun we're sitting here having these debates it's really fun right what am I talking about if we're not debating stuff it's a lot harder to break down NFL, right? Because you're just like, well, this team has this record, which makes them ahead of this team. Problem solved. And then you can kind of talk about in a hypothetical playoff matchup, who could beat who in this, you know? So there's just more debates, more fun. But the fun thing is, is while we still are in this four team format, let's at least hope we enjoy it, right? The last year of the BCS, yeah, we were kind of ready to hang it up and move on, but it was awesome. It gave us a drama. You had Auburn with that miracle season, knocking off Bama. You had Florida State, who was preseason, like not top 10, climb back in, become the best team. Ohio State loses in the Big Ten Championship game, knocks them out. Like that stuff's really fun. And hopefully for the last year, two, three of the playoffs, four team, we can get something similar to that also and then move into whatever the expansion is. We'll see what that entails. Anyway, all right, guys. Well, playoff rankings come out tonight. I don't know if I'm going to do an instant reaction show given the fact that they're not as important as before. If I do, it'll be a short, quick one. Um, that's tomorrow. Sorry, actually. Today is Monday. But anyway, uh, thanks for listening, guys. You know where to hit me up on. Email me. Let's talk college football, gmail.com. If you want to reach out, listen to the show. You know where to find it, obviously, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, all that stuff. Appreciate it.